Today on Lockdown Canadians, we cover the Laval Rocket this weekend, and then we have some special guests talking about the NHL Entry Draft Combine that took place in Buffalo. All that's coming up in just one moment on Lockdown Canadians. For Lockdown Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. and welcome to episode 635 of Locked On Canadians. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts as well as on YouTube. So thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts and I'll tell you where the game ends. Laval Rocket with some shenanigans at the end. Actually, it's the Thunderbirds here to talk about it. First of all, my name is Laura Saab. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla, who covers the Laval Rocket for Habs Eyes on the Prize. And right now, he's covering a whole lot of stupidity. Yeah. Uh, basically, well, since the end of Game 4, there was Game 5 on Saturday while I was out of town, which had slightly less shenanigans the rocket unfortunately lost in overtime they are down three games to two uh when you're listening to this game six is monday night in springfield so the teams are traveling today uh but after game four was a very close game the rocket came back from a two nothing deficit tied it in the second period got it to overtime and then uh rafael harvey pinard was the overtime hero after looking like springfield was going to take this uh take the series there or uh, take control of the series there because they were playing extremely well and the Rockets seemed to be slowing down. The Rockets scored the overtime winner and they are celebrating against the boards, which were also by where the exit for the opposing team is to go to their locker room. Goalie Joe Hoffer was not a fan of this happening and speared one of the Rocket players with his stick. He was given a game misconduct and a major penalty for it. It's after the end of the game. There has been no word on supplemental discipline for that because the AHL can take up to 48 hours on a ruling for this. And it ignited basically this giant nonsensical mess of, of a fight at the end of the game where Seattle, or Seattle uh, Springfield's players just kind of said, well, we lost and we've been able to get away with everything. And they just started attacking Rocket players. Clem Costin went after Lucas Condotta and uh, it was Donick Martell was again tried to be mauled by several players uh, on Springfield's roster, including Dakota Joshua. And when we get into our bit with lockdown flyers that we talk about our nemesis and I have a little bit more detail there, but it was an ugly look for the AHL and for the officials in this series who have kind of let everything go. Springfield hasn't really been punished for any of the nonsense they've been doing after every single whistle. And it's only going to get worse. They're now going back to Springfield for game six with the rocket Uh, having a chance to tie the game up here. It's been a close series, but also not at all. Caden Primo has been a very big part of why the Rocket are in this. He's been outstanding, even in losses for this team. And it's kind of tough that I look at this and go, the Rocket are getting bullied a little bit, but they shouldn't change their lineup to fight the bullying. Stick with what you know. And my biggest complaint is that J.F. Hool took Joshua Watt out of the lineup after game three. And my thought was, 
you know, I don't think that was the right call. I don't think Wall was the issue. Yes, they won the game where you switch your lineup up a little bit, but you got to get some offense going here. You're not, you got to get your power play uh, clicking a little bit here. And I think he's a big part of that. It, it's tough to cut question a coach who's gotten them this far, but I look at this and I go, some of the lineup decisions are a little head scratching here. And I'm very curious to see what the game six lineup looks like. Uh, if Brandon Jiniak and Nate Shaw are healthy enough to play because they missed both of them missed uh, Jiniak missed Friday night and Schnarr and Jiniak both missed Saturday's game with injuries. And it's tough. The team's beat up and they're doing the best they can. And Springfield's just their styles makes it tough for injured guys to find any space to play out there. I, that's the thing is that I wanted to point out a little bit is that I'm, I'm a little bit concerned because Caden Primo has had to play really big in order for Laval to win. And the thing with Laval has been, it's been, you know, a depth kind of team, a scoring by committee kind of team, a fighting by committee kind of team, taking penalties by committee kind of team. Um, the Laval Rockets so far have done so well, but it does seem like the Thunderbirds are kind of pushing them around, which is, which is quite upsetting in itself. But I also just, I find that when you do have a team that's, that's physical like that and that, that plays outside the lines a lot, you kind of have to be able to corral your skill players into making things happen. And I'm not seeing that because it's not like the lineup is unskilled, right? Like there are guys there that you would expect to be able to create plays, to create chances, uh, to make it happen. And they're not able to. So that to me is my biggest concern. Obviously they have to win uh, the next game. Otherwise they're, their their playoff run is over uh and if they do win the next game they still have to win another one away uh, uh like not at home i guess though that fun little format the 232 format that the nba does that i didn't realize that the ahl does either uh when i was planning my 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 attempt to attend a laval rocket game in this playoffs uh i just i i worry a little bit because it doesn't seem like their brain has caught up to that, right? Like the physicality, they're trying to match the physicality, but the creativity doesn't seem to be there right now. And I don't know if it's just me kind of being a bit of a pessimist here. The thing about it is, is that they have their chances. They're very good off the counter because Springfield is not a fast team, save for Will Bitten, who is very fast. And their strength comes off of cycling and just hammering teams in. The Rocket on counterattacks have been very good. And when they took Wah out of the lineup, they inserted Devontae Smith-Pelly and Gabriel Bork. And all due respect to DSP, who has been a fantastic vet on this team, on his PTO, he's not the fleetest of foot. And slowing down your best advantage hurts, especially Brandon Jignac's out. Cedric Paquette's likely playing injured. Some of these guys, like, they're not 100%. And slowing your thing down just levels the playing field for your team here. And... I think it's a simplistic thing is stay out of the box. Their penalty kill has been phenomenal, all things considered through this, but you got to find a way to uncork some of that offense like you did against Rochester. Find that free-flowing game and just keep hammering it. Joel Hoffer can give up bad goals. Charlie Lingren can give up bad goals. Have faith that you can score in any situation and things are going to come. I looked at you know their game that went into overtime in game four, and it ended with uh, Jean-Sebastien D having like 11 shots on goal and – you know, it's a lot of offense. It's sometimes it's just, you know, you don't get the bounces. They're close on a lot of things that these games could be blowouts either way. And I'm very, uh, I'm like I said, game six is going to be really interesting to see what happens just because Springfield wants to close it out and Laval wants to keep the playoff hope alive. And 
it's going to be which team wants it more in desperation right now. And so for the rest of this episode, we are joined by Russ Cohen and Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. Russ was at the Buffalo NHL Draft Combine. And um, he has some notes for us. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about the nemesis of the week. That's in our final segment. But first, we have some news and notes. And then tomorrow, we have an entire episode with Russ and Rachel. And we talk about Logan Cooley. We talk about Shane Wright, obviously. We talk about Yuri Slavkovsky. Slavkovsky. It's going to, you know what? At this point, it's it's one of those things that's really working against me. And I feel so bad. Um, and we're gonna also going to talk about David Yershek. We're going to talk about Simon Nemitz, I think I said Matthew Savoie. There's a lot of prospects that we cover in tomorrow's episode. But today, what we're going to talk about are some odds and ends from the Buffalo Combine with Russ. And all of that is coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I use. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take control of my health. It supports better sleep quality and recovery, and it supports mental clarity and alertness. And it is the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all the things. Right now, It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system just like I'm doing with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, so what we thought would be fun was for our first episode together, kind of pick Russ's brain on some of the anecdotes and things like that that he learned when he was covering the Combine uh, that won't make it into our discussion of our players tomorrow, such as, you know, uh, Shane Wright, obviously. We'll be talking about Logan Cooley. We'll be talking about so many players tomorrow, but we wanted a place for Russ kind of to tell us a little bit about the stuff that doesn't fit in there. For example, I know that he got to interview... Uh, Jack Hughes and uh, learned a couple of things about his uh, his interview in, the, in in with Montreal in the combine and just cool stuff like that. So Russ, how was the combine and how much did you miss Scott because Scott couldn't make it there? I did miss Scott. Scott is sat <laughs> next to me probably for the last two combines. Uh, he eats a lot, but that's okay. Usually, I, I would throw him the extra food, so I think it worked out. You know, if there was an extra yogurt or something, he would eat it. Um, but go ahead. <laughs> That's was good for say, me to know because I never finish anything. I was going to say, it's like the last time I went to the combine, I grabbed an extra cookie during lunch and Doug Armstrong just kind of stared right through me while I was doing it. So I went, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I get it. I'm just some guy, but there's an extra M&M cookie here, so I'm going to take it. I don't care. Oh, M&M cookie? Say yeah, no more. Exactly. Right? I've got my. I've got all my other stuff on there. There was an extra M&M cookie. I'm going to take is- that risk. 
my reporting's accurate. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, I, I felt like this was an interesting one because players wanted to really talk to the media more than usual. Uh, they hadn't, you know, they've had all these interrupted seasons, these weird seasons, these seasons where they're doing all these Zoom calls. They were finally in person. They were getting the show off a little bit and then tell us about it. And so I feel like they really enjoyed it. Um, you know, with the uh, Jack Hughes thing, it was interesting because I felt like the the Canadians made too much of it. Like it was like I kept hearing these little things about the meeting. And basically, so, you know, at, at some point, you know, Kent was like, hey, I see Jack's coming in. I'm going to excuse myself. And then Marty, um, not Marty LaPointe. Yeah, Marty LaPointe, I think it is. Yeah, former player um, said, no, 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 I want you to stay. And then they said, Jack, what do you want? And Jack was like, well, I prefer him not to be here. And then somebody, whether I don't know which person said it was like, well, it's not your decision. And I'm thinking, well, then why did you ask that kid? Like, it's just now you've made it doubly awkward and you should have just left it alone. I think if they had just left Kent in there and said, no, Kent, just sit down. It'll be okay. And everybody talks. It'd be fine, but I think they made, they added that extra layer of awkwardness that I think the Canadians tend to do with a lot of things. It, it's funny is that I know when Kent Hughes took over and they first started asking him, the first thing they asked him about is whether or not, hey, would you pick you know your son in this? And he went not first overall, and Jack took to Twitter when he saw that. Yeah, like, you're making a big mistake here. It, like you said, it's fine like to have that little bit of fun, but like don't make it weird you know no one wants that the combine's hard enough that yeah. you get done doing what an hour of physical testing and then you're in front of dozens of microphones and cameras for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes afterwards like don't make it any more hard than it has to be you know most of these kids probably aren't having fun here anyways like you, it doesn't need to be more weird than it already is so then another uh fun one was with uh jimmy snuggerud who's dad Dave played for the uh, Sabres and some other teams. And uh, this conversation, I believe, started when I think someone asked about his dad and and somehow scars came into it. And he was like, well, you know, I've seen most of my dad's scars, but not one of them. And they were like, well, which one? And they were like, well, the one where I guess Patrick was skate blade cut like into his butt. And and that happened during a game. <laughs> and that was like, oh, OK, I don't remember that. It's an interesting moment, and I guess I can see why um, Jimmy the Sun didn't want to see that scar, but he <laughs> talked about it, and that lightened the mood. I thought, you know what? One of the things that, because um, you have a community on, on Twitter that people can join, one of the things that I thought was really fun was it felt a little bit like this year, much like you said, the players seemed willing to talk to the media, but they seemed a lot more relaxed and jokey and, yeah. you know, kind of trying to enjoy the moment a little more, which was so good to see because I think generally one of the criticisms that I have a lot of these players is that they're so well prepared for this, that they all give the same kind of answers. They all have the same cliches. They're all pretty stiff and, and shy and, and, and very, very reserved in interviews. And I'm so glad that hockey's moving in a direction where you can kind of get a sense of their personality. Um, what else kind of stood out to you when you were covering the, the combine? It was a bit longer this time, wasn't it? Was it a few? Uh, no, it, it seemed to run about the same amount of time. I think, um, they always seem to run long at the end because you're trying to get that last group move through and they're always slogging through and the group beforehand um, always seems to be resting. So I think those last 
I don't know, eight or so interviews. You have to, as a reporter, decide, is it worth waiting around for X, Y, or Z? And if you do, then you're just, you're waiting to the bitter end. And we did have to wait to almost the bitter end, um, but not quite. An- another fun interview um, was Servak Petrovsky. He uh, plays for Owen Sound. Uh, when I asked him about Philly, you know, he said they were friendly. And see, so like, you know, for all the stuff that goes around about Philly, uh, maybe they're friendly. Like that's <laughs> that's what he said. That's not necessarily a Philadelphia fan uh, reputation that goes around, but it's nice to know. Honestly, um, I was wondering a little bit about because obviously I've never been to one. Mm-hmm. kind of how forthright the players are about who they've talked to or who talked to them or if they give their own impressions of teams because I feel like sometimes they kind of hold back a little bit because they're a little bit worried about whether or not they get picked but like do, do they give you any insight on how the teams kind of operate particularly in the in the sense of the Flyers or the, or, or the Canadians uh, uh, with the Flyers and Canadians uh, no they did with the Leafs with they were doing like some video stuff and Joachim Kemmel did kind of let it slip that um, the Sharks asked him about his facial hair and things about, you know, so like basically like, you know, growing hair and all those kinds of weird things. So he did let that slip. And that was kind of funny. Uh, Nothing came out, though, for those two teams in regard to that. But, you know, like Philip Mayshar, who um, really good player, a Slovak player, uh, I've got him in my you know, top, I think I got him 20, 26. And, and I feel like he, he probably um, had an underrated season. He felt like his offense could have been better. But when I said, Hey, you know, who did you talk to? Who stood out? You know, he did say, I talked to blah, blah, blah amount of teams, but he did say that, you know, the coyotes interview was the best. Like, so sometimes they will give you that. Sometimes you have to play a, you know, a whack-a-mole game and ask them if they spoke to a team or teams. And then they sometimes tell you. So as an example, if you know a little bit about a guy, like there's a, a German player, Julian Lutz, who um, he only played 14 games this year. So, you know, when I'm up there and I'm asking who he spoke to in my head, I'm thinking, all right, he's probably only speaking to teams that are winning teams right now that are very low in the first and so I asked him about Florida and Tampa, and he hit, and he spoke to both. And and so like that was like, hey, in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is pay dirt for me, because you know a lot of times it probably seems like some of these teams were asking a random. Now, of course, if someone's covering just one team, they do that. But I was doing like a, a league wide thing, so I had to sort of guess for other teams. And he spoke to both of those teams. And the interesting thing is, he said he enjoys watching those teams because they win. I like winning teams and so it's like you know what i i admire the kid for saying that because and again when a winning team can draft a player like this and he's a center that's got a lot of ability i've caught up on him finally because he didn't play a lot um he only played 14 regular season games in the del but he had played internationally so i finally caught up with all that and, and he's got some talent and now this is a way for like florida or tampa a very good team to get a really good prospect even at the end of the round. So that's that's an interesting thing to me because, again, we're always thinking about the teams that aren't good. They should always get the best prospects. But even recently, I did a, an assessment of the um, Tampa 
system. And you know what? It's pretty good. Um, Brad Lambert was an interesting one. You know, his um, his uncle Lane is the Islanders coach. And I had interviewed him when many weren't able to. I was lucky enough to. And this kid's got a load of talent. But nobody knows where this kid's going. Like, he originally was supposed to be in the top five a year ago. But then he hadn't really scored any points over the last year. He's been playing overseas, close to home. And it's like, well, he thinks he's doing the right thing because he's playing against older talent and it's going to pay off in the end. Well, right now on his resume, it's pretty blank other than, hey, you were great in the World Juniors, but after two games that got canceled, but you were like the best player. That was a shame for him because I think like if that didn't happen, he still would have been top 10. Now it's all over the place for him. And so like a lot of teams will have a shot at him. Teams may even have a shot at him in the 20s. If he's a guy for, that somehow eludes the you know top 20, I think teams will be trading with other teams to go up and grab him. I think the Islanders might take him at 13, but if they don't and he just keeps falling like an Angelo Esposito, I, someone is going to take a risk on him because of the immense offensive talent he has. So, you know, so that's an interesting one too because he's a guy that has sort of taken a big fall. Do you know what's really interesting is that when you look at his ranking a different with different um, with different rankings, he's all over the place. But anybody like you, for example, who's in tune to the way these things work and the way these things work out has called him kind of like a sleeper a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. he's going to drop in ranking because and it's justified, right? Like you're looking at his stats and, and, and there are question marks, but it's really more the context than it is the ability of the player. So a team is really going to be able to like get him as a steal. Um, and what we're going to do is we are going to talk about particular players of interest to both the Canadians and the Flyers that are way up in that top 10, top seven, top five area. But uh, in our next segment, what we are going to talk about is we're going to turn it over to, to locked on flyers to ask us who our nemesis of the week is. And I see Scott taking notes right now. That's all coming up in just one moment. But first, we're also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including the NHL Hockey Stanley Cup Final, Major League Baseball, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. So on Locked On Flyers every Monday, we look at the week that's upcoming and we say who or what in the world of the Flyers or of hockey is getting our goat, is making us angry. We want to shake our fist at the sky <laughs> about. And last week on our show, we talked about second round NHL draft FOMO because the Flyers do not have a second round pick in the draft. And with it being as deep a draft as it is, and the Flyers having such a high pick in the draft, not having that second round pick is looking really upsetting right about now. <laughs> and so uh, we talked a lot about that and could the Flyers trade down to get into the second round, you know, from their number five overall or, could they trade a roster player and get that second round pick back and what that would look like? So uh, that was a huge bone of contention for us at Lockdown Flyers. And I think, you know, for us this week, it's really 
Barry Trotz making a decision for <laughs> where he's going to go as head coach. And because we know that that's where all the other dominoes will start falling after that. So we just need Barry Trotz to make a decision. I have a little additional one to add on that. Um, I, I'm really getting tired of this is of all sports, but especially the NHL of the referee getting the ex referee getting summoned on to explain like basically the rules that we know are inexplicable, like goaltender interference and uh, maybe interference in and of itself, because that was in question yesterday. And I'm just tired of hearing from these guys. Like I just, <laughs> I, I kind of wish they'd just fire them all and just not even do that, that part anymore. <laughs> um... it, it, I was going to say, it's wild to me is that like the NFL will call someone in to be like, what did you see on this play? And what's that rule? And they will go, this is what it is. And that's it. The amount that they continue to ask former referees who didn't get the calls right when they were there in the first place. Is exactly. Just like, exactly. I don't care what Tim Peel says about right. anything at this point. One, there's a reason why you were a former referee that in, in addition to your on ice performance, but like, I don't want to hear from you about anything happening on the ice. Like I no, no, thank you, please. I'm done. All right. So what is the locked on Canadians nemesis of the week? Well, well, the big one is because the Calder Cup playoffs are going on right now, and they've played... Oh, Calder Cup, Cup playoffs? What are those? We didn't even have our <laughs> team get in the playoffs. Trust me, I've been there, and I wondered the same thing for, God, it's been almost eight years myself, and they played two relatively, you know, hard-fought but not contentious series against uh, Syracuse and against Rochester. Uh, competitive, but nothing really crazy over the line. And then through five games so far against Springfield, the Thunderbirds have just decided, what if we just keep running into your goalie over and over and over again, and we're never going to be penalized for it? Since game number one, uh, public enemy number one has been Dakota Joshua of the St. Louis Thunder, or Springfield Thunderbirds, the St. Louis Blues AHL affiliate. Former Leafs pick. Was he really? Yeah. They gave up on him. They just let him go. Well, he. I wish they hadn't, because then maybe we wouldn't have to see him right now. Is that after every whistle, whether the puck is, whether he was involved in the play or not, he goes right up into Caden Primo. You might give him a smack with the stick afterwards, and it's it, the officials have lost the entire control of this series after Game Four. The Rocket won in overtime as they celebrated. Joel Hoffer deciding, I want to get off the ice, speared someone with the end of his stick, and ignited a full team on team fracas brawl whatever you want to call it and i nothing's come of it. it it's just across the board it's been a really ugly look for the ahl and both teams involved where the rocket aren't really doing anything wrong but they're always penalized for responding to it and i just want just penalize the guy causing everything dakota yeah they do the same thing in the nhl it's always the after the fact which is you have to do that you have to stick up for your goalie yeah, it's like I get it. Alex Belzio's five foot ten, but you can't give him a double minor for roughing when the other guy started everything by again right. three seconds after the whistle skating into the goalie and then accidentally on purpose falling on him. At a certain point, you gotta go enough. And there's gamesmanship yeah. and there's everything else, but it's so petty and stupid, and it's made it like not enjoyable to watch because every whistle is something stupid, and it's always like the same three people. They are on my nemesis list going into uh, game six on Monday night. It's I can't wait to never see him again. Honestly, at this <laughs> point. It's, it's been a headache and a half. I thought the series would be way less um, 
you know, Stupid. deliberately injurious. Yes, that too uh, would be way less deliberately injurious than it has turned out to be. Because I feel like at this point, you know, you're in the Easter Conference final and you're trying to make it to the Calder Cup. And all of a sudden, like the stupidest things that weren't happening in like round one are happening now. Um, it's kind of blowing my mind. And because the Laval Rocket have been through a couple of series now without these kinds of shenanigans, for the most part, I'm going to blame 100% of it on the Springfield Thunderbirds. I, I, and that's the thing is, I look at this, is that Syracuse, they've always had intense games with Syracuse, and it was pushing and shoving, nothing really over the line. Rochester, you know, game one was a little bit testy, but after that, everything kind of, you know, smoothed out. From puck drop in game one, Springfield's entire thing has been, what if we're just annoying? What if we were the 2011 Bruins over and over and over again? <laughs> and that's what's happening, is that they're just a couple of bigger guys who are just picking on everybody else because the refs won't call anything on them. And it's like, I know you're, you should be better than this. Like you're in the Eastern conference final. And uh, I, like I said, I can't wait to not see Springfield outside of two or maybe three times next season, because I don't want to see any of them anymore after this it's win or lose. I'm like, I'm good. I'm washing my hands of this and I don't want to speak about this anymore. It's, <laughs> It's such a boring, it's such an ugly way to play hockey and it's not enjoyable. And it's just frustrating to watch when the officials aren't doing their job at any level, AHL, NHL, CHL, anything like that. It's just so frustrating to watch the refs be the main story in a series. I think you and Russ in, are in full agreement of that. And so we are going to talk a little bit more about some specific prospects. And that's going to happen, I assume, on the next episode on both of our shows. It is at least for our show. Uh, we're going to talk about Shane Wright again, Logan Cooley, Slavkovsky, you know, all of the greatest hits. But a couple more in the, in that top five there. Uh, we're going to pick Russ's brain on all of his thoughts on that. That's coming up tomorrow. Uh, and in the meantime... Check us out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. So we want to thank Russ and Rachel, and we will be back with them tomorrow. But in the meantime, you can find their podcast, just like you can find this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. You can follow them at Locked on Flyers. You can follow Russ at Sportsology. You can follow Rachel at R. Miriam. You can follow myself at The Active Stick and my co-host Scott at Scott Matla. Our podcast is at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter. You can leave comments in the YouTube if you want us to discuss certain topics or you want to ask questions for our mailbag. Um, and in the meantime, you can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. And once you're done listening to our podcast and Locked On Flyers, check out Locked On NHL, where we're covering the playoffs and we've got all kinds of power rankings, fun stories, and all kinds of... You can find them wherever you get us. Make them your second listen of the day.